All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book, Fool's Aaron, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. All right, you guys, I got John Kiriakou on the line. And uh, as you know, he's a former CIA officer, but he went to prison for confirming the names of some CIA torturers to the uh, hmm, journalist, parentheses, question mark, uh, Matthew Cole. And so now he's a committed one of us fighting against the national security state, writing the truth, in this case, for responsible statecraft. And uh, it's called Supreme Court to hear whether Abu Zabeda's torture is secret. And check out this. Uh, I know it's not called really this the sub-headline. There's a better name for this. The slug. I witnessed it all. And after this- 20 years in Gitmo, without charge, his story remains our country's greatest Shame. And boy, John, when you say I witnessed it all, you really mean it. Welcome back to the thing. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Man, so um, you led the raid to capture Abu Zubaydah in Pakistan. Go ahead and first of all, just tell us all about that. So especially for people who aren't that familiar with you, so they get a little bit of a taste of who they're listening to her. Sure. We we believed at the time that Abu Zubaydah was the number three in Al-Qaeda. That turned out to not be true. But he was a bad man. He was he was a, a logistician for Al Qaeda. If you wanted to um, go home, you were tired of the fight. Abu Zubaydah would get you a fake passport and a and a ticket home. He created and ran Al Qaeda's two training camps in southern Afghanistan. He created and ran the House of Martyrs safe house in uh, Peshawar, Pakistan. So bad guy. But we thought he was the number three incorrectly. At the time, I was the head of CIA counterterrorism operations in Pakistan, and we got word one day that he was in Pakistan. We had to catch him. It took us about six weeks to track him down, but we finally did, and we caught him. He was severely wounded during the capture. A Pakistani policeman shot him with an AK-47, three times, no less. And uh, I sat with him for the first 56 hours of his captivity. Then a CIA plane flew in picked him up and took him to the first of what was a series of secret prisons. And then he's been in Guantanamo since 2006. But one of the main points that I make in this piece is that the man has never been charged with a crime. That's after undergoing merciless uh, torture at the hands of the CIA. 83 times he was waterboarded. His heart stopped. He drowned. He had to be revived so that he could be tortured some more. Um, he underwent sleep deprivation. He was put in a coffin for 11 wait, days. Wait, wait, wait. Slow down just a second there. And just I just want to remind you, we got a little bit of time here. So okay. I don't want you to feel you're going so fast. Uh, it sounds like you feel like you're going to have to summarize too quickly. But I, you, you have time to go ahead and elaborate, especially about this part. Like, for example, what how much of this, you know, firsthand from being in the CIA at the time? compared to what you learned in the Senate torture report, all these things we want to know. Right. 
almost all of it I learned at the CIA. When I got back from Pakistan in the middle of 2002, I got promoted and um, on the strength of the Abu Zubaydah capture. And they made me the executive assistant to the CIA's deputy director for operations. So in that job, I had access to literally everything that the CIA was doing around the world. And, um, you know, Abu Zubaydah was talking to the FBI. He was he was giving us information that was new and fresh, and it was information on al-Qaeda that we had never had before. But the CIA was angry and jealous that the FBI was taking the lead. Uh, George Tenet asked President Bush to expel the FBI and um, and let the CIA take over. For reasons that we don't understand, Bush agreed to that. And on August 1st, 2002, the CIA began torturing him. So, you know, they were supposed to start with just a shove, right? Or you grab him by the lapels and give him a shake. That was the the plan, the, the program. But that's not where they began. They began with the most serious torture technique, and that was waterboarding. And then it just got worse for him from there. Yeah. And so now... It's funny because if you watch, you know, some idiot reenacting this on YouTube, uh, waterboarding doesn't seem so bad. I saw one guy recently did a thing where they had the cloth over his face folded so many times that I don't even think right. his lips got wet. You know, right. Uh, right. what is it? Waterboarding is this, you're drowning a guy almost to death over and over again. But in this case, they actually did kill him and had to shock him back to life. Is that what you just said? Exactly right. His heart actually stopped and he had to be revived. That's how bad it was. Yeah. yeah and, and then what, tell, talk about the coffin too, because you know, they have said in the past bugs, but you're a bit more specific here. Yeah. In the course of his interrogation, uh, Abu Zubaydah said that he had this, what amounted to a, an irrational fear of bugs. He was just freaked out by bugs. I don't know why he said it, but he did. And so the CIA put him in this, in this coffin-like box. There were several different boxes. There was a dog cage. They would just open the door of the dog cage and, and he would whimper and just climb into it. It was, you know, that learned helplessness. But then they, there was this coffin. They, they slapped a diaper on him and they put him in the coffin and then they dumped a box of cockroaches in on top of him and then closed it. And they would open it each day only long enough to change his diaper and to throw some food in there with him and, and with the cockroaches. But they did it just to make him insane. They knew that it would drive him insane. Yeah, but wait a minute. I'm sorry. It sounds like you're talking about some anecdote from the 1940s in Nazi Germany. I thought we yeah. were talking about something that the Americans had done, the CIA to Abu Zubaydah. Did, I, I'm sorry, I must have spaced out for a second and lost track. Yeah, seriously, seriously. And you know what? In 1946, Scott, we executed Japanese soldiers who had waterboarded American POWs. That was a death penalty offense. And I know I've said this before, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but in January of 1968, the Washington Post ran a front page photograph of an American soldier waterboarding a Vietnamese prisoner. The day that that picture ran, Robert McNamara, the Secretary of Defense, ordered an investigation. The soldier was arrested. He was charged with torture and he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Well, the law never changed. So why was this a death penalty offense in 1946 
and worthy of 20 years in prison in 1968. But then in 2002, no problem. We can do it. We'll do it to Abu Zubaydah. We'll do it to a couple of other yeah. guys. Hey, Ed no. Meese, Ed Meese, uh, the attorney general under Ronald Reagan, prosecuted yeah. a Texas sheriff for it in 1983. See? It's, it's against illegal. the law. It's against the law. And I say this all the time, but we are supposed to be a nation of laws, a nation ruled or, or, or governed by the rule of law. And we can't just decide that we're going to ignore the laws that we don't like or the laws that don't fit into our personal ideology. Especially the anti-torture laws. <laughs> especially. especially. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. A little old war crime statute. How does that measure up against the do whatever you want as long as you cash a federal government paycheck statute? Um, now, so... Now, when you say you know this from being there and all of this, just I mean, you're there in Thailand. You're telling me you didn't torture the guy, but you were there or you were in the no. office next door listening no. through the wall or what? No, I, what? I, I'm, I'm proud to say that I um, I refused uh, all trips to the secret sites to all of them. I wanted no part of this at all. And it's funny, you know, a friend of mine told me years later. I said, you know, everything got so hard when I blew the whistle on the torture program. And he said, no, buddy. He said, your problems began in 2002 when you refused to be trained in the torture techniques and they started referring to you as the human rights guy. He said in the post 9-11 era at the CIA, that was not a compliment. You bingo. <laughs> it's true, though. That's what they thought. I was not willing to to, you know, go along. I was trouble. All right. But then, so in other words, you're sitting in the cafeteria and your friends are going, yeah, here's what we did to him or what? Yes. No. Uh, I, like I say, in that position, I had access to, to everything happening around the world. And this was a special compartment. It was Go a ahead. very highly restrictive compartment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, nobody, nobody could talk about it because most people didn't know about it. When, when the torture program was first created, it was fewer than two dozen people in the world knew that it was happening. That's how highly classified it was. And so, you know, it, it was it was happening and they were reporting back to headquarters. Here's what we did. This is what happened. This is what how we, how he reacted. But they were lying to us. And they were telling us that he was providing this actionable intelligence. In fact, what they had done is they knew that the CIA and the FBI reporting channels were incompatible. So they took all of the FBI's reports about what he had said during their, their uh, interrogations. They rewrote it in CIA channels and said, well, we waterboarded him one time, and here's what he said. Look what he gave us. He gave us everything. It's the whole kitchen sink here. And it Man, was always a that is just incredible, isn't it? For, and and the thing is, too, is you got to rewind in your brain the Fox News narrative, the George W. Bush administration narrative at the time of, oh, man, how crucial this was. that And it was Zubeda above all, who Bush invoked over and over again. that This is the number three guy in Al-Qaeda. He knew all this stuff, and we tortured him. We don't torture, but we beat it out of him, all right? right. <laughs> or whatever you call it. And... Yeah. um so uh, that was why it was so crucial. And then, of course, it's uh, Ron Suskind tells the story that he obviously got from George Tenet, the chief of the CIA, that 
He told George Bush in a briefing, hey, it turns out this Zubeda guy isn't who we thought he was. In fact, remind me to ask you in a minute if I Biden brain and forget it about the cousin situation and all this stuff. But um, he he says to W. Bush, this isn't, uh, you know, what we had told you before about, you know, sorry, boss. And Bush said to Tenet, well, you're not going to make me lose face on this, are you? I said he was important. In fact, he had said he was important over and over again. He was the number one main public justification for the torture program. If they hadn't tortured Zubeda, they wouldn't have been able to stop all those plots they stopped. And of course, in fact, I need you to talk about this part too, um, because there's very little uh, about this. You know, we can. It's pretty easy to find about Sheikh Alibi, but they tortured lies about Saddam Hussein out of Abu Zubeda too, didn't they? Oh, yeah, sure they did. You know, let me tell you real quickly about the conversation between between Bush and Tenet. Uh, that account is true. And Condoleezza Rice was was in the meeting, of course. And when Tenet objected and said that, you know, he we owed it to the public to tell the truth about Abu Zubaydah, that he wasn't the guy we thought he was. Um, Condi Rice chimed in, George, meaning George Tenet. She said, George, you're just going to have to take one for the team. And I don't think I have ever seen George Tennant as angry as he was that day, that Condi Rice had spoken down to him and told him he's going to have to take one for the team. He was livid. Yeah. Well, well, and, and let me tell you a little bit about the cousin that you mentioned a second ago. Um, well, wait, Joe, hang, hang on, just on that for a second. You know, yeah. the CIA has a reputation because of the neoconservatives in the Pentagon lying us into war, digging through the CIA analyst trash and, you know, repurposing it all and, and funneling all the lies from the Israelis and the uh, the Iraqi National Congress and all of this stuff that, yeah, the poor old CIA got caught up in this or whatever. But the CIA tortured lies about Saddam Hussein out of at least two guys, Zubeda and Alibi and Absolutely. and. And these were used to lie us into war. And and I'm not certain about Zubeda. Maybe you can tell me. But Al-Libby's lies were featured in, I'm almost certain, Bush's State of the Union. And I'm absolutely yeah. they were uh, certain that they were featured in Colin Powell's UN address in January of 2003. That's right. Alibi said under torture exactly what the CIA wanted him to say. And that was that there was a connection between al-Qaeda and Saddam Hussein. Of course, there was no connection. Al-Qaeda hated Saddam Hussein as much as they hated the United States. But uh, he gave us uh, false information that there had been a meeting in, uh, in Prague between the Iraqi station chief there and Mohammed Atta, the, the head hijacker. Uh, we were supposed to believe that there was this this connection, whether it was financial or logistical or, or whatever, uh, between Iraq and Al-Qaeda, it just simply wasn't true. And so we went to Abu Zubaydah to try to get the same information. And of course, under, under torture, under duress, he confirmed the information. And everybody knows that when you're torturing somebody, they will admit to anything you want them to admit to you just so that you can get them to stop, you know, just stop the, the torture. They just can't take it anymore. Hey, y'all check out my new book enough already time to end the war on terrorism at enoughalreadybook.net. Early reviews are that people either think it's hilarious or they get so angry that they put it down, but it's the Iranian revolution, the eighties Afghan war, 
the Iran-Iraq War, Iraq War One, Iraq War One and a Half, and then Afghanistan, Iraq War Two, Somalia, Pakistan, Libya, Syria, Iraq War Three, Yemen, and all the special operations wars throughout Africa in the aftermath of the war in Libya. It's all there for you. Might change a friend's mind. Enough already. Time to end the war on terrorism at enoughalreadybook.net. Hey guys, Scott Horton here for expanddesigns.com. Harley Abbott and his crew do an outstanding job designing, building, and maintaining my sites, and they'll do great work for you. You need a new website? Go to expanddesigns.com slash Scott and save 500 bucks. Hey guys, check out Listen and Think audiobooks. They're at listenandthink.com and of course on audible.com. And they feature my book, Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, as well as brand new Out Inside Syria by our friend Reese Ehrlich and a lot of other great books, mostly by libertarians there. Uh, Reese might be one exception, but essentially they're all uh, libertarian audiobooks. And here's how you can get a lifetime subscription to Listen and Think audiobooks. Just donate $100 to The Scott Horton Show at scotthorton.org slash donate. Of course, right? Like, <laughs> what would you do? Seriously. I mean, some of the things in here you talk about, and, you know, there's an excellent book by Alfred McCoy where he talks about how, you know, they claim in here, well, they copied this from the seer methods that were copied from the communists to protect our guys from the communists. When McCoy says, no, nah, the truth is the communists and the Americans copied these torture techniques from the Nazis. And that's where all of this stuff comes from. And a lot of it is this kind of no-touch torture Oh, gee, all we did was force him into the most uncomfortable stress position and leave him tied up like that for hours. All we did was freeze him almost to death over and over again. All we did was keep him up for weeks and weeks and weeks. But it's not like we pounded nails under his, uh, or, you know, spikes under his fingernails or screws in the knees. So, you know, therefore, it's, you know, all we did was give him a mega dose of LSD and play new Metallica right. and through yeah. strobe light and what, you know, drive him out of his goddamn mind. But it's, we, it's not like we beat him up or anything. But it, I mean, this stuff gets really extensive, right? The, especially the freezing. I mean, I'm cold as hell if it's in the low 40s. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Seriously. Seriously. And, and what we did, that's a technique they called the cold cell. Which I actually think is worse than than waterboarding. We we killed several prisoners with the cold cell. But what they do is they they chain a, a prisoner to an eye bolt in the ceiling so that he can't get comfortable in any way. He can't sit or lay down. And um and they strip him naked. They uh chill the cell to fifty degrees Fahrenheit, and then every hour a CIA officer goes into the cell and throws a bucket of ice water on him. And you know, you can't withstand that kind of treatment. People died. They died of hypothermia. Yeah, that's crazy. And I mean, there's one that they admit to this guy, Gol Raman, that they killed, that yeah. they froze to death in the salt pit. But you're telling me you know for a fact that there's more than him. Oh, yeah. There's more than Gol Raman. Yeah. Okay. So now, I mean, to be clear here, man, I mean, the, the official record is that two men, uh, Raman and, um, God damn it, I knew his name one moment ago. Um, Joel. <laughs> Uh, Jamadi, uh, right uh, in Abu Ghraib, was hung from the ceiling yes. with his arms behind his back till it suffocated yes. him to death. Right? Did I get his name yes. right? Yes. And and so these are the two that officially the CIA were they were investigated by Durham, the guy who's doing the sort of 
quarter-assed right. job of prosecuting the Russiagate conspiracy right now is the same guy who let the CIA get away with that. And actually, you told me before, John, that there were more people who sort of disappeared, people who died in custody, but nobody yeah. ever, you know, you guys keep your secrets, so you don't even tell each other exactly how people die or whatever, but they just go away. And we know from... um an a you know uh, independent AP reporting and also the claims of Colin Powell's former chief of staff Lawrence Wilkerson that there were yes. 108 who died in military custody and you know maybe some of those were heart attacks but many of those were tortured to death you know what I mean those are hurt you know whatever yes. illnesses you but, know, so many of them but uh, but how many how many more people died in CIA custody that you know about like capital N know about not read in the torture report, but that, you know, were because again, that's, those are the only two in the torture report. So you know, who to, else? To tell you the honest to God's truth, I probably shouldn't answer that. Um, but you can but tell I, me that, you know, it's, can you tell me, you know, it's more than five or 10 or 50? You know, I, I don't want all, you to go back to prison, John, but God dang, man, that's yeah, kind of important. You know, I would, I would point people to, to, um, Joe Hickman's book about his experience at Guantanamo. Oh, yeah. See, I left that out. Those three aren't admitted to, but we do know about those. And it's yes. the other Scott Horton, by the way, when people look up this story, that's not me. That's the uh, international human rights lawyer, uh, the other Scott Horton uh, law professor at Columbia University and um, some sort of editor. I forgot the exact title editor at Harper's Magazine who wrote the incredible series of stories for Harper's about what Joe Hickman witnessed. And just very quickly, in 2006, the CIA murdered three guys at their secret black site at Guantanamo Bay, not the military prison, but the other one over the hill. Uh, exactly. It's called Penny Lane or Camp No. And so there's that. So there's five, but you don't want to tell me about it anymore? Because if you read that in Harper's, so did I, and I interviewed other Scott about it at the time, and it was important. But And, and Hickman's no, a hero for telling that story. But Hickman's a hero. I agree. I agree. But tell you know, me something else, Kiriaku. Come on. Uh, <laughs> more secrets, huh? You well, or secrets? at least tell if you can really say that you know for a fact that there were other people tortured to death by the CIA in the black sites beyond the five that we've now, you know, discussed back and forth here today, then can you please tell us that or not? Well, I'll tell you, one of if the things that the true. CIA does is it turns people over to other countries. Mm-hmm. And then they're never heard from again. Right. But if I put it that way. Yeah. Hey, well, that's easy enough. I mean, and, and we already know that from Robert Baer, too. So if you yes. want somebody inter interrogated, you send them to Jordan. If you want them tortured, you send them to Syria, <clears throat> Bashar right. al-Assad. And if you want them to disappear forever, you send them to Egypt. Exactly right. Yeah. And I think he was even talking about the Clinton years. I don't even, I don't even think he was talking about during W. Yeah. Bush. Yeah, because he, he left during the Clinton years. He yeah, I mean, that was in the New Statesman, so. Um, and I should say, though, that guy makes a lot of claims that are completely ridiculous lies, and including on Russiagate, and including accusing yeah. the Ayatollah of doing 9-11, and yeah. whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. But on that, he was, <laughs> I'll buy it. <laughs> Sounds right <laughs> to me. Um, uh, otherwise confirmed by multiple sources, too. All right. Now, so wait a minute. Now, tell me about the cousin here. Sorry. Yeah. So one of the things that that made us get the Abu Zubaydah situation so bloody wrong was that Abu Zubaydah has a cousin 
also named Abu Zubaydah. And, um, and, you know, in the CIA, we didn't know that there were two Abu Zubaydahs with the same name. And so when you put both files together, this looks like a terrorist Superman, right? Like, how can this guy, it's amazing, right? Yep. This guy is everywhere. He's in different countries and carrying out operations and planning new operations. It's incredible. Well, it turns out it's because they're two different people. And once word got out that, quote unquote, Abu Zubaydah was of interest to the CIA, that was in Time magazine in early 2002, the, the cousin Abu Zubaydah fled. Uh, he, he was in the United States and he fled to Jordan and then just kind of disappeared and nobody's ever seen him or heard from him again. Now we looked for him for ages, but couldn't find him. Uh, and then never publicly admitted, you know what? We made a mistake. We put these two files together. It's two different guys. Never admitted it. So Joe and I wrote this book called the convenient terrorist. And like I'm, you know, compelled to do, I sent it to the CIA for clearance and they cleared it with no changes. So hmm. take that for what it's worth. Huh? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know exactly how to take that at all. <laughs> well, I have a few different ideas of how I could take it. Like one, there was a really cool clearance guy who liked you and your story and your work right. that week right. or, um, lady or whatever you got nowadays i don't want to prejudge you know um uh or um you're giving us a limited hangout but it sure doesn't sound like it (laughs) so so, uh yeah no i don't know man um very interesting and i'm sorry that i have not read that book yet i have it here on the pile of course one of these days i'm going to stop time and spend a year catching up on all these books i should have already finished reading already i'm I'm the same way um but um all right and listen i'm sorry because now we're running out of time and i just realized that we haven't really talked about this court case going on and the state secrets and we also i forgot to um uh ask you project to talk about how they took his eye out without his permission That was yeah, part of the torture you know, that we missed. It's this is this is a crime against humanity. Um, Abu Zubaydah, when we caught him, one of the first things that I noticed was he had a a brown eye and then a very pale, glassy, light blue eye that was clearly blind. And um, it turned out that he had been wounded by a piece of shrapnel uh, in Afghanistan when he was fighting the Soviets. So the eye never bothered him, right? Like he never said anything about it. He never complained about it. And then one day during his captivity, uh, he was sedated. He was taken into an operating room and, and his eye was taken. And when he woke up, he had one eye. So the CIA gave him a glass eye, which he has steadfastly refused to wear uh, because he had never consented to having the eye removed. So now he wears a patch over his eye. But, you know, this is a very clear case of, of a crime against humanity. You just can't operate on someone against his will. You can't remove an eye against the guy's will. And again, you know, as a policy, 
We never, ever apologize for anything. Right. Ah, oh, man. Um, and so, okay, now he's still in Guantanamo Bay. They're yes. never going to put him on trial because anything they do have on him is essentially negated by the brutality and the torture that they put this guy through. And so they can't give him a trial. They still in 20 years haven't figured out how to slap together this ad hoc thing uh, to hold real military tribunals for these people either. So they're apparently just going to hold him indefinitely. But now he's trying to sue the, he can't sue the CIA. They've got sovereign right. immunity like a British king or something like that. But he's trying to sue their contractors who tortured him. And it says here in your piece that a federal appeals court had ruled in his favor and said that he could sue. And now the CIA is appealing to the Supreme Court, trying to say that because of national security and the state secrets privilege, they need to be able to not even have a trial at all not have secret testimony that only the judge with top secret clearance can see back in his chambers, but not even have the trial at all because that would reveal secrets. And then you're kind of summarizing here the rebuttal to that from the point of view of his lawyers, part of which is that we do have this torture report. And as you mentioned here, we have, I didn't even know this, that that Porter Goss, Michael Hayden, George Tennant, and John McLaughlin all put their names on a book called The Rebuttal to the CIA, uh, the Senate's torture report here. So, yeah, I um, think like people read it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I think about eight people read it. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm sure. I, I didn't even know the thing existed for crying out loud. Um, but so. It sounds like he's got a pretty good case here. What you're saying is that this stuff is already declassified. All that he needs to be able to prove his case in court is already declassified. He's not even, is, am I right? He's not even necessarily asking for more things to be declassified in his case or what? Exactly. That's exactly right. What he wants is the two contract psychologists, uh, uh, Bruce Mitchell or, or J Bruce and, J and James. Anyway, Mitchell and Jessen. Right. Uh, he's asking that they be, deposed, right? Under oath to confirm what they've already said in their memoirs, what George Tennant and Porter Goss and Mike Hayden et al. have already said in their rebuttal, what the Senate torture report has already said using declassified cables. He's just asking for them to confirm that, yes, indeed, they tortured him. Yeah. So, and then, and then that's it, right? It's not like he's going to open up a new bank account with his uh, winnings of punitive damages here or anything like that. That's He's right. just trying to get, force them to, what, admit it and say sorry or what? Pay him a dollar? Uh, and, yeah, admit it. He doesn't even want a sorry. He he wants to be charged with a crime. He wants he wants some kind of, of finality to this thing. You know, the guy's been incarcerated now. It's going to be 20 years on March the 22nd. 20 years. And I don't mean 20 years at a at Club Fed. I mean 20 years of torture and solitary confinement and secret prisons. And it's time for us to fish or cut bait. That's Either charge him with a crime or let him go. Man, we're... We're still having this conversation about Guantanamo Bay in 2021, man. It's just unbelievable. Crazy. You know, the Bush people said they wanted to close it on the way out, and then they didn't. But some of them even said that they support, I think, Robert Gates. Um, 
you know, while he was under Obama, said he supported closing it. They just never did it. They tried to move some of them to trial in New York, and then they all backed down. And, and I that guess- was the original. That was the original plan. You know, when when I was still in Pakistan, uh, my my Pakistani counterpart came to me one day. He was Brigadier General, and he said, "Listen, our jails are full because every time we'd catch Al Qaeda people, we would just stick them in the local jail, Rawalpindi, Lahore." you know, Peshawar, wherever we happen to catch him, we just stick him in jail and and we filled the jail, the jails. So he said, you guys are going to have to do something with these Al Qaeda people. We can't hold any more of them. So I cabled headquarters and I said, the jails are full here. What do you want us to do with the prisoners? And they said, put them on a C-12 and send them to Guantanamo. And I said, Guantanamo, Cuba. And they said, yeah, we have an idea. We're going to hold them in Guantanamo for three or four weeks until we can figure out what federal district to charge them in, either Boston, New York, or Washington. Uh And I said, yeah, that's a great idea. And here we are 20 years later, and they still haven't been charged with any crimes. Yep. Man, it's just... And, you know, but the Biden people have said that they want to close it. You take that seriously at all, or we're just going to have the same conversation another 20 years from now? No, I, I think that Biden wants to close it. And I think Obama wanted to close it. But, you know, the Congress under the Republican Congress under Obama passed a law that Obama was pressured into signing, saying that that the federal government can't appropriate any money for the purpose of shutting down Guantanamo. So it's not going anywhere. Yeah, man. All right. Well, there you go. And that's the other interview today is Gareth Porter on the self-licking ice cream cone. And military projects that can never end and must never end. So there it is. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, John. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. All right, you guys. That's John Kiriakou. He used to be a CIA analyst. Then he was a CIA actual uh, officer out there. And then uh, he went to jail. And now he's uh, an author and a journalist. And he wrote The Convenient Terrorist with Joseph Hickman, the same guy who was the heroic whistleblower from the CIA murder of those three men in 2006 down there at Guantanamo as well. So uh, go and read that stuff. Thanks. Oh, this one, I'm sorry, is uh, responsiblestatecraft.org. Supreme Court to hear whether Abu Zubaydah's torture is secret. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.